You're listening to The Bookstack with Annie, Nia, and Sydney. Hi, friends. Welcome to the 22nd chapter of The Bookstack. I'm Annie. I'm Sydney. And I'm Nia. Since this is the month of February, we thought we should share some of our favorite love stories. Literature discusses love so much that there is a whole genre for it. Romance. Love is a broad term even more so in literature. There is romantic love, platonic love, animal love, life love, and so many more. Some of the feelings that love incites are affection, infatuation, romance, adoration, compassion, admiration, and yearning. These feelings go beyond a romantic relationship, and our choice in books reflects that. While we celebrate Valentine's Day in February, love is felt all year round, and books that include love are written all year. So, Sydney, what is in your love stack? One of the books that I wanted to bring up today, I actually talked about in a different stack, so I'm not bringing it up. Aww, as as a, a book book because I think that everyone deserves as many options as they can when they're looking at you know recommendations. But as an honorable yeah. mention, I want to talk about uh, just making a reference to Court of Thorn and Roses. I need oh, to read okay. them. Oh, I know. I I love the series, and people online are torn. They either love it or they hate it. But the first book starts out as like a Beauty and the Beast high fantasy style yeah remake which is what either turns people on or off from there it gets very creative and it gets very interesting and to anyone who's like struggling with it i say get past the first book because the first book shows you what a toxic relationship can be masqueraded as and how it can appear to be love when it's not and that if you keep pushing through then you get to see what true love actually is so so we're supposed to not like it well, I mean, not that you're not relationship. supposed to like the book. Yeah, yeah. But you're not to supposed to, like, yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's my honorable mention. Okay. Thank you. The first book that I wanted to talk about and, and recommend today is The Incarnate Trilogy by Jody Meadows. The first book came out in 2012. I think I've seen the cover to those. I'm sure you have, because I'm sure that I was walking you through a bookstore being like, you have to read this book. Probably. <laughs> Timeline sounds right. It. I'm pretty sure it was. A book that I genuinely love. Nope. Does not look familiar, but it's yeah. beautiful. The it, purple it's a lovely cover. It's lovely. This is the original cover. The The second reprints and, and some of the, the newer editions don't have this butterfly face cover. Okay. But I love this book. It's phenomenal for a lot of reasons. It kind of goes under the radar for a lot of things, but I picked it because it comes with so many different types of love you have romantic love sure but you also have love of a chosen family after her family rejects her and you have self-love which she has to learn to accept and love herself so the premise of this of this book is you have the main character anna and she is the first new soul in five thousand years in this land and someone who was supposed to be reincarnated wasn't and anna was born in their place and so her mother oh okay her mother blames her for the the soul that was supposed to be born not being born and so she Ooh. calls her a no soul and she treats her horribly and she raises her to believe that she is like just this horrible abomination yeah and and it's just her and her mom because her father's long dead and so she decides to set off and go into town and try to make something of herself and her mom, being the horrible human that she is, gives her a broken compass, hoping that she will lose her way. Oh my gosh! Into town, I kid you not. 
Come on, mom. Because the mom who really, like, none of them ever have any maternal feelings or instincts towards anyone because they all just know that they're bringing a life that used to be there back into the world so they can be there again. Mm-hmm. So I have a couple questions. Yeah. Do they know the life that is coming back? Yeah. Based on who has died. They have they have the a general idea. And so they, they had an it. expectation. Mm-hmm. Oh. But something happened and that soul didn't return, but Anna came through instead. Oh boy. That adds and a you whole find, other thing. You find out in later books, because it's a trilogy, you find out what happens and, and everything weaves together really well. And you find out what's been going on later on down the road and her father and his role in it. But okay. Oh no. I'm so, I'm intrigued. Yeah. <laughs> that adds a whole other layer. But so there's it's a town of five thousand people, and she is the first new soul in five thousand years. But this Damn. whole town is surrounded by a wall that feels and looks seamless and it gives her the heebie-jeebies and she doesn't know why and there's a temple that it's connected to that there's no doors to go in or out of and it gives her the heebie-jeebies and it Mm -hmm. doesn't it doesn't give anyone else the heebie-jeebies no one else thinks anything is off and she's like but there the the vibration's wrong something's wrong something's off and no one else believes her poor girl but when i read this book when it first came out in 2012 it hit all of the right places that i needed at that time they the book addresses the idea of religion in a way that helped me feel less alone in my ideas and my beliefs and there's also this really well done plot that kind of keeps you guessing until the very very end and it's definitely one of of the whole of the trilogy trilogy? okay Mm -hmm. okay thank you it's it's one of those where you just keep having stuff that builds and she keeps doing callbacks to things that happened from previous chapters or previous books. Oh, cool. So that everything ties in really, really well. That's cool. It's definitely one of my favorite series of all time. And while their romance is a subplot, and it definitely pushes the story along with the romance that happens in the book, there's also the societal love where people start accepting her as a new soul instead of a no soul. And they start referencing her for who she is instead of instead of believing that she's an abomination and there's some really sweet things that happen with that but you also have self-love where she goes from believing that she doesn't have a soul and that she can't be saved to actually loving herself this poor girl so it was man it was a really great plot that didn't feel like anything else i'd ever read Mm -hmm. and it had a well-written storyline that kind of kept you going so I really, I just really love this book. I can feel it. It sounds really good. It yeah, sounds like it has it some like Aeon Flux vibes and it feels kind of similar to a video game I've watched playthroughs for, but I'm completely blanking on the name of. Cool. So it's intriguing me on those ways going, okay, yeah, I liked both of those plots. <laughs> You'll probably remember right really after we stop recording. Yep. Probably. Come to you. <laughs> yeah, I can picture it. I can picture the game. It's just not one I've played. Yeah. So I don't remember the name because that's good. how my brain works. But this sounds I'm, really good. I really love it. And I if anyone reads it based on this recommendation, I would love to hear what you think. All of the books have come out, correct? Yes. Yeah. Okay. They've been out for a while. Right. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna do a 180 now. Here we go. Woo-hoo. Because my Pivot. second book, as you will be able to tell from the title, is nonfiction. 
It's called Olive the Lionheart, Lost Love, Imperial Spies, and One Woman's Journey into the Heart of Africa. Want to know how I know that's nonfiction? Because of the ridiculously long title? Got two titles. Mm -hmm. Sure does. That's how. Yep. It's by Brad Rika, and it came out in 2020. Brad Rika also wrote one of my favorite nonfiction books called Mrs. Sherlock Holmes, and I think I recommended it in a different episode yeah that sounds familiar this is definitely a second favorite brad rica book mrs sherlock holmes was better he had another one that came out called true raiders that i couldn't even get into a full chapter without walking away because it was just like oh but this one's really fun it leans really heavily into her diary entries which was a little too heavy for me but it was still really good it's the true story of olive mcleod's journey into the heart of africa searching for her lost fiance and the incredible journey she has along the way. I did not see that coming. I thought this was going to be a Jane Goodall, but with lions. I can see why you would think that. I thought it was going to be a mix between Jane Goodall, lions, and Eat, Pray, Love, where she's trying to figure herself out. (laughs) Like, find herself. The lions. That's really what I thought it was going to be. I can totally see that based on the title. I really enjoyed this book. It cracked me up. The very beginning, Olive is living outside of London, and her family is Scottish royalty, or nobility at least. What time period is this? Uh, Early 1900s, late 1800s. Okay. Okay. I think it's late. Let's go with 1800s. She finds out, she gets a letter notifying her that her fiancé has been lost in Africa, and that they, they believe him to be dead, but they don't have a body, so they can't send anything home. He's just... Just gone disappeared in africa and so she goes to her dad and she's like i have to go bring him back and he's like what (laughs) she goes well i have to go get him and he's like all right let me get you a chaperone so he funds the trip wow a guy and his wife to be chaperones he must really like this guy and then it's just because his daughter asked him to and she was hell-bent on it and he was like well you're gonna do it whether i support you or not i might as well fund it so he pays for them to go down there and then hires you know they take a bunch of stuff to for trade and hire workers and stuff. It's insane. They obviously had they obviously had a lot of money because money was never an issue in her story. But well, just they, to go to Africa, yeah, at, in that time period, just on oh, a whim, yes, you had just, to have money. Yeah, we'll just fund that expedition on a whim mm-hmm. because we're pretty sure this person's gone. But just to to make you feel better right yeah. we throw tons and better. tons of money at this yeah that sounds someone, like an early 1900 late 1800s thing someone who was on their second expedition throughout africa has disappeared let me send my daughter <laughs> to go find this was a second expedition <laughs> what could possibly go wrong so along the way she discovers and names a waterfall and this is a true story so like the waterfall okay. is named after her Cool. Um, she was given two lion cubs that she takes with her throughout her journey and like just you plays do. with them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the sad part about that was that she brought him home instead of leaving him oh. in Africa. She brought him home. So they suffer this whole like three month journey yeah. in a steamer. And then mm-hmm. they get home and she's like, oh, I don't have anywhere to put you. I guess I'll put you in the zoo. Different time period. I know. I, mean, I can't judge her. It just made me I sad. Know, I know. It can make you sad. That's okay. But she had some really great experiences and some not so great experiences with different african cultures and there were some scares along the way with her chaperones you discover what happened to the man that she journeys across the world to find and 
then you get to find out what happens afterward. I love that Brad Rike didn't stop with what happens to the guy where you just like, you know what happens and then you move on. Or like it just ends because you're like, well, this is that. That's the end. Well, this was her story, right? It was her story. Yeah, it's her story. But the the whole reason of her venturing into Africa was for this guy. And so I didn't want I didn't want it to end when you found out what happened to him. You know, Um, maybe that's another time period thing. (laughs) It was written in 2020. Women have lives. We do. Wait, what? Shocker! (laughs) I know. I know. Shocker. We're getting there. When did this happen? The heck you say? I I didn't even receive a letter in the post telling me (laughs) of such a thing. (laughs) But you get to experience most of her adult life. It kind of gives you a a flash forward and and chunks it out so that you kind of get to see what happens after her adventures in Africa so that you see and experience the good chunk of her adult life. and, And you get to see the happy, fun surprises in the end that you find yourself rooting for her to have. Because you grow to feel like you know her through this book because you are largely reading her diary. So everything she does is for love. And then you find out that it's lost love, but then she gets a new love. And I'm not going to say who it is. It's her lion cub. It's not her lion cub, which I wish it was because mm. that would make me so happy. That would make me happy. Also. But but it was it was just a really it was a cute story and it was really fun. Annie, what about you? The first book I chose is The Time Traveler's Wife by Audrey Niffenegger. Niffenegger. Sorry, Audrey. My apologies. Niffenegger? Niffenegger? Sure. I mean... Again, if we're wrong, please tell us. Please tell me. This was published in 2003, so we're coming up on 20 years. Mm -hmm. I absolutely (laughs) love this book. It is in my top three. I know it's a polarizing book. Some people love it. Some people hate it. But I love it. I think it has three and a half stars on Goodreads, maybe closer to four. Oh, wow. So it is pretty polarized. It really is. So that shows, I mean, if you follow curves and, you know, how that math works, that means that some people really hate it and some people really love it. So it's a fun one to discuss. It is. I love the book, but I hated the movie. The movie was trash. (laughs) Fair. It was. Even though we all love Rachel McAdams, it was still trash. So the book follows two characters, Claire and Henry. And Henry can time travel, and he shows up in the forest behind Claire's house when she is six, and she helps him by bringing him clothes, because, of course, you can't travel with clothes on. Uh, Time travel. How do you you lose clothes when you time travel? It's so fast, they just fly off. (laughs) Fly right (laughs) off. Oof. I know. know. (laughs) It becomes a problem later in the book, where he's like, oh, yeah. Uh I can't imagine why. Where he shows up somewhere, you know, frostbitten and then comes back he's like where have you been somewhere cold so she helps him by bringing him clothes and comforts him and then he shows up a few more times as she as claire is growing up and then they get married when she's an adult it sounds questionable that's a little groovy it sounds a lot of questionable it's not a lot of questionable i know i know he's a good guy she's a teenager at one point but he's a good guy and they nothing happens I promise nothing happens until she is of age and, you know, of the right mind. And then they do end up getting married. Okay. I can see why people are just like, uh, they either are really cool with this book or really not cool with this book. But if you read it, there's nothing. There's absolutely nothing. I mean, we've talked about how, remember when I read 1984 and I thought something's going to happen here between those characters. Yeah, it was George Orwell and 
there is no love in life of George Orwell. Same <laughs> here. Like, there's really nothing there. There's nothing there. All right. Okay. I will. I will trust you so, on that. Thank you. The reason I love this book is because of their marriage. They go through a lot. Um, Henry just disappears and then comes back and then disappears and comes back and and Claire sometimes knows where he's going because she lived through that and so she remembers oh this is the time you came and saw me when I was 12 oh this is the time I was six. Oh, I know what happens that time and it's not good okay and so there's kind of a weird timeline that is really beautiful to read again not to watch to read so there is a huge strain on their marriage because Claire knows what's going on but doesn't want to say anything. And then Henry doesn't want to tell her what's going on because some of it is dangerous, like showing up naked in the Arctic. You know, it's just, it's just not great. It's not great. But the hardest parts for me, and this is going to make me cry, so I apologize. Actually, it won't. But it did when I was thinking about it. Uh, the hardest parts for me were when Claire has multiple miscarriages Ooh. after they got married. Yeah. Because her husband is a time traveler, the babies, because there are multiple miscarriages, have that same gene, or I can't remember what it is in the book that makes him a time traveler, but the fetus time travels out, but then can't come back. Oh. Yeah. And it happens multiple times. And he's not always there to help her. And so all of a sudden she was pregnant and then she's not because she can feel the baby leaving. Oh, that's... Yeah, it's... Okay. Horrific. It's horrible. I mean, there, it's not gruesome, but it's just, like, those feelings are just awful. It's a lot of big things. Yeah. And they're not expected. Because miscarriages happen, births happen, that is life. But that's but, not expected. But that's not expected. And it's not something she anyone can control. It's, well, will this time baby not have that gene? Will it be able to come back this time? What? Anyway... Then the, the other hard part not was that controlled? like is that the it's problem? not okay it's not controlled no I should have explained that I'm sorry then the other hard part was that okay I'm gonna spoil so here it comes sorry but it's happening he does end up passing away and then their daughter he time travels to see her okay in the like after he has already passed away as she grows up he had gone into the future. And so six years after he's passed away, he shows up in their backyard. Oof. And their daughter says, Mom, Mom, Dad's here. <laughs> yeah. And of course, Mom knows what's going on. And it's just, it's giving me chills right now. And it's just so sad. It is so sad. So this is a heavy book. Yes. Okay. This is not a, a lighthearted romance. No, it's not. But it's also very, it's heavy, but it's not earth like the weight of the earth it's not it you can come back from it yeah it's not earth shattering it's super heavy but again i mean time travel's not real like this isn't going to happen in your life it's not but okay. their marriage and their relationship is just so beautiful and that's why i love this book as much as i do okay okay because even yeah even though he is time traveling and can't control it and her family gets upset that he's gone all the time and he's not there to help with the miscarriages or anything because he just randomly disappears she sticks by him and understands that this is what she signed up for and that she loves him and it's just beautiful but not the movie <laughs> we'll reiterate not the movie okay Andy, this is one of those that i movie? will i will stand by so read forever the, read the book not the movie got it read the book don't even pay attention to the fact that a movie was made because even then you might have unrealistic expectations on the book 
Okay. And they're very different. The second book that I chose is They Both Die at the End by Adam Silvera. So something else that sounds really happy and upbeat and pleasant. (laughs) Annie, how are you feeling right now? You feeling okay? Everything okay right now? I know it's middle of, you know dark and i was just stuck in the day i was just stuck in my house for four days because of an ice storm so oh okay that how you will anyway they both (laughs) die at the end by adam silvera it was published in 2017 it became huge on tiktok about a year last year maybe not earlier this year must have been last year the year before it was published in 2017 but tiktok picked it up couple years later. I mean, it's been out for five years. Yeah. So I read it when it first came out. A student came to me and said, hey, Mrs. Kenworthy, will you buy me this book? And I said, sure. As one does. As one does as an English teacher. And so I bought it. She read it. And then I read it. And it's now one of my favorite books. I just finished the prequel on Friday because that came out a couple of weeks ago. Cool. Okay. Before Christmas. It came out a lot longer ago than I thought time by a couple books <laughs> and the prequel was good but i still like the first book better okay the first published book better so the synopsis is that there is a company called Deathcast, and it has discovered how to predict when people will die and so each decker that's what people are called when they're on that list is called as close uh, after midnight as possible so at midnight, Deathcast starts calling people, and there's a specific ringtone. And if you pick it up, they say, hi, today is the day you're going to die. They don't know how you're going to die or when the person is going to die, just that it will come in the next 24 hours. And sometimes they call parents and say, hey, your child is going to die today. If Ugh. that person doesn't have a phone, you know, a six-year-old, right? No, no. So, <laughs> go ahead. I can't handle just the idea that, like, calling a parent and telling them that their kid's gonna die like that's just yeah okay so but the flip side of it is that if you don't get that call you know it's not your day and that comes up in the prequel there's a character who has a heart condition and he's been living his whole life thinking is today the day is today the day is today the day Mm -hmm. and then when this service comes into being he doesn't get the phone call and he goes sweet if i get a transplant today i'm not gonna die because of it if I have a heart attack and go to the hospital, I'm not going to die because today's not my day to die. Okay. So there's kind of two sides to it. Being a parent and getting that phone call would never be easy, ever. No. But there is the, you don't have to worry if you don't get that phone call. Anyway, there are two characters. Their names are Mateo and Rufus, and they both get called that day that they are going to die. So they download the Last Friend app, and they met up as strangers to enjoy their last day together. And they go from being complete strangers to very serious boyfriends all in one day as they help discover things about each other and themselves and leave their comfort zones and do some awesome stuff. So this is an LGBTQ book. It is. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. I love this book so much. It is a, it's an awesome book, but I hate that they both die. Like it's in the title. They both die at the end. Like, you Spoiler. know what's going to happen. You, you know what's going to happen. And as I was reading it, I thought. can beat it. <laughs> right. And especially because this isn't a series. I mean, it is now because there's a prequel, but at the time it wasn't a series. And so I thought maybe the system is wrong. Maybe they got yeah. it wrong today. Maybe they got it wrong. The whole time I thought that, but then I kept looking at the title. Yeah. And it was very frustrating. So I forgot several times that they were both going to die. Then you get attacked and, this is... and then they die. Then you're sad. Yeah. I know. This is like a 300 page book. It is not a short book. And so it's 
300 and something pages of being attached to these characters, but also knowing they're going to die. The chapters are really short. They're only a few pages each and have a character and a timestamp attached to each one. So it'll say Mateo, I can't remember his last name, Mateo something, 12.01 p.m. And it'll tell, you know, what he's doing during that chapter. The story is, so you're constantly reminded of this 24 hours, that we're still in that 24 hours, that we're still counting down because it's going to happen before midnight. The story is told in three in third person, but the focus switches between a different person with each chapter. And it switches be between Mateo and Rufus, Mateo's mom, nope, his dad, uh, a neighbor, a doctor. It switches between a lot of random people. Okay. And every time a new character gets a new chapter, it begins with death cast called or didn't call today because blank is going or not going to die today and so you start the chapter knowing whether or not this character is going to die interesting so nice. for example death cast called bob because bob is going to die today and then go into their part of the story okay and again that follows the trend of the book telling you that someone's going to die but not how or when okay that is it's a very fascinating premise it is it is and the prequel doesn't really answer a lot of questions <laughs> which is good and bad fantastic yeah <laughs> yeah again another 400 pages of what is going on here it doesn't really matter which book you read first i read they both die at the end first because it that came was out when first. it was published i read it five years ago yeah. and then i read the prequel like i said i just finished it this last week there are some connections in the prequel to the book to they both die at the end but not there very many. Uh, at towards the end of the book, they start Adam Silvera starts to bring in characters from They Both Die at the End. Okay. The prequel takes place, I can't remember, 15 years earlier. And at the end of the book, he brings in Mateo and Rufus as children. But that's really the only thing, besides, you know, the big death cast idea that is connected between the two. So it doesn't really matter which one you read first. Okay. All but right. it's a great love story about these two boys who find each other on the day they're gonna die and how are they gonna enrich the world knowing that they're not gonna be there to see it all right neo what did you choose so i started with the princess bride by william goldman that is it. a movie you um, should see yes 100 <laughs> percent, absolutely should see and the read the book do them both yes so i the, the book came out in 1973 which kind of surprised me i guess i don't know why and then when i looked back it i'll get to that in a minute so um i i will i promise so oh, i'm waiting feel, for it i feel like this is a book that most people have heard of even if they haven't read it because of the movie yeah. and you have so many iconic phrases from the movie that are just kind of inconceivable exactly my hello my name is inigo montoya, montoya. You killed my you father. Killed my father prepared to die prepared to die yep or as love is wish. pain yep so the book actually reads a lot like the film, which was kind of surprising. And the full title of the book. So, oh, is it nonfiction? Talking, it is not nonfiction, but it is titled <laughs> like a nonfiction <laughs> because the full title is The Princess Bride, S. Morgenstern's classic tale of true love and high adventure, the quote, good parts version. Oh my gosh. I can see that, Grandpa. I can see him. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the book is written as like an abridged version of the actual book where the author was like, I promise it's all abridged. I didn't write anything in here that's that's my own. I did try to write the final love story between you know Wesley and Buttercup but the publisher wasn't happy with it so we didn't do it and if you want it you know write the publisher oh my gosh that's fun that is actually in the book and the publisher i learned this looking into all this stuff had a letter ready to go for when people actually wrote for this that was like we wanted to but there was too many legal issues with morgenstein morgenstern's um estate and so we couldn't do it they and went I guess they had full bore on this they went they? all out wow yep. that's awesome so i that's don't know hilarious. if the new publisher would do that because it has changed publishing houses a few times and yeah then, you know what is that 40 something years but let's out. try um seriously if you try you let us know <laughs> so but i liked it. it it you have love in so many different forms in this book i mean you have the classic love between wesley and buttercup um, where he's always telling her as you wish and how that's really the big like underpinning part of the whole book. Yeah. You also have a son's love for his father with Inigo Montoya. You know, I'm looking for the six-figured man who killed my father. You know, I mean, that's a deep, deep love right there too. Yeah. You could say it's hate, but you can tell he hasn't lost himself in it like you would if it was a hate-driven action. Yeah. You have Fezzik whose love of his friends moves mountains just like his size and his strength like he's just this big lovable and i will i will always picture um andre the oh, giant my brain andre blanked. the giant thank you i will always picture andre the giant whenever i read this book because he was so perfect for yeah. that role so um when carrie elwes came to fanex this last year uh-huh. he actually was telling stories about andre the giant and he was talking about how they ended up having to buy a four-wheeler from one of the guys on the island because Andre couldn't get around easily because he was so yeah. big. So Didn't he have a lot of health problems? He yes. had a lot of health problems. Yeah. Yes. And so they got him this four-wheeler or this motorcycle. No, it was a motorcycle. They got him this motorcycle to get around in. And he pulls up to Karyolis and he goes, hey, boss. Because apparently he called everyone boss. And he's like, hey. Uh-huh. You want to ride? And Carrie's like, uh, not right now. We're getting ready to shoot. But, you know, thank you. And he goes, you know you want to. <laughs> and so he's like, all right, all right, fine. Let, you know, real quick. Just one real quick one. So he, they, Andre puts him on this bike, tells him, you know, which pedals are which. He gets going. He hits a rock. It lands on him. He ends up breaking his foot. Oh, my gosh. Right before oh, they're supposed no. to shoot the sword fight scene. Of course. So they, so they push the sword fight scene back to the very last thing that they film. But Carrie Ellis still filmed most of the movie with a broken, with a broken foot. foot. And he went to Rob Reich right after it happened. And he was like, um, I have something to tell you. And he goes, you broke your foot. And he goes, how did you know? And he goes, everyone knows. And he's like, <laughs> um, okay. And he goes, you know, we're just going to have to do this and this. And Carrie Ellis goes, you know, I understand if you want to recast because we haven't really started and and I'm not really, you know, a known actor. Like, I get it. But he goes, stop, stop, stop. You are Wesley. There is no other Wesley. We're no, moving on. there is not. And and it was just, it was just a really cool story from, from FanX, which I believe is on YouTube if anyone wants to go look at it. But anyways, when all you were right. talking about Andre the Giant, all I heard was, in my head was, a bus. You want to go for a ride? You know you want to. <laughs> well, and it's it's 
interesting that he's like the wesley because a lot of the published like covers of the books the recent ones yeah yeah it's it he's the one that's on the cover that's not still yeah i really hope they never remake that movie no 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 they can't there's no way you could people would lose their minds unless unless the book and the movie are so so similar that it wouldn't change the script at all uh i think I even mean, changing even changing the actors I don't, like I, it's the casting i think Man, the casting mandy is patankin really... is an ego montoya like you can't yeah. not have mandy patankin you can't not have andre the giant like i just yep. i think you could never you could never redo that movie no and they captured they captured those characters so brilliantly um, even the grandpa and, and the you, son yeah fred savage like, i, I, I love think him. they did such a great job um, which, if you guys listen to the audiobook, is the director of the movie that reads it. I learned that. Rob Reich. No, maybe yeah, it was. Rob Reich's yeah. the one that reads Rob the, Reich. He's the one who narrates the book. Okay. And he yeah. narrates the, the whole book, right? It's not yeah. a full cast. Yeah. So one of the other love examples you see, though, is between Miracle Max and his wife, Valerie. Oh, my gosh. They've they're been so married cute. They're a so million cute. years. Like, that's I from love the book. that. They've been I married love a million that. years. That, those characters yeah they they crack me up so i they're my favorite couple ever just because they're they love each other but they bicker and they'll be completely blunt with each other but they still love each other but they it's love okay. and you, can, you can feel the love it's not like oh i'm sure they still love each other no you know they still love each other yep so that's uh just as a heads up though when i was looking through the book again to make my notes getting ready for today i did notice that the language of the 70s is very present in the print book so there really? are some <laughs> racial slurs oh, oh. Shoot. Um, i was wondering what language that was going to be yes yeah, so okay. just fair warning um if you would like to enjoy the story without those then watch the film the film did come out in 1987 by the way oh i didn't realize um, it was that far after the book was published you I almost said old or that far you, back. you almost said that um, old yep it is that old no i was trying to say that much film i don't know i no i just because nia nia and i were not me and i were already born (laughs) then i'm not trying to say that okay not (laughs) trying to say what what the movie is is, old what i'm trying to say i didn't realize there was that far of a gap between between the publishing date and book was published and the movie came out okay yep that's all i'm trying to say so yep so just uh we're all old it's fine there's nothing wrong with being old it's okay no well i mean annie (laughs) even though you're the youngest of us you have the oldest kid so i think that inherently makes you the oldest because you're the adultiest but i also have the youngest kids i have the youngest kids i i technically have the youngest because he's only three you have uh, the youngest puppy i have the youngest puppy but he's gonna mature a lot faster than my baby but currently i when i got him he was 12 pounds He's currently 19.8. That was, that was actually a week ago, so he's probably over 20 pounds now. <laughs> he's my one year old is barely 20 pounds. He's growing. Yeah. Yeah. My three NATO is not is not much bigger than that. So no, but she has um, the cutest dimples ever. She really does. So that was my that was my first book. Uh my second book is Practical Magic by Alice Hoffman. I've never read the book, but I Oh, I'm gonna say so it. Good. I love that movie so much. I mean, so, the movie's fantastic. How can you not? Um, but it's this, so dark. But I love oh, yeah. the movie. Okay, so I, I this is when I actually watched the movie before I read the book. Yeah, the movie yeah. came out in '98, so they were actually pretty close together. 
just as a heads up the you have the same characters and you have the same overarching plot between the two but the book is a very different beast than the movie i'm okay with that so as long um, as you love them both i'm okay with it oh i do just know that they're different if you go in knowing they're different you will love the book too okay all right so but but this is another one that had multiple love types in it you have the sister loves between sally and jillian and that really carries the whole story it's not a romantic love it's this, the love of these two sisters and then you have the sisters aunt jet and aunt francis that are also there that just you have you know it's just it's sisterly love is the book the whole that feels like that's the big premise you have a mother's love between sally and her daughters and kyle or kylie kyle <laughs> you have a mother's love between sally and her girls antonia and kylie which is a pretty big drive too and then you have this mournful love of sally's for her husband michael who died because of the curse and later when there's another person that enters the picture the the quote that stuck out for me from the book was he has stumbled into love and now he's stuck there i love that so which fits it brilliantly is i mean it fits his character brilliantly that the one at the end yeah i don't want to spoil okay. no, I mean, no, no if no. you've seen the movie you know who it is but okay i just i know yeah. there are a lot of relationships in that book yeah, so it's the the love and the I, this book is probably one of my favorites because it's so beautifully written, and the way the story carries you is like you're on a river flowing from beginning to end, and there's some parts that are like rapids, and there's some parts that are like really smooth uh, curves where you're just kind of going through and enjoying the scenery, and you're just completely immersed. Nice. And for people who don't know the plot of this one, the premise follows the Owens women, an old family line in a town in Massachusetts, because of course, where else are you going to find, you know, really strong witchy line? Yeah. And they've been blamed for everything that goes wrong in the town. Like you do. Yep. Uh, yep. The aunts who live in an old house, they live with black cats and they perpetuate that rumor of witch. Like they live their best witchy lives. They're so and... cute though. Oh, They're they are. So cute. Um, but despite the way the town fears them and shuns them by day, it doesn't stop the regulars from tapping on their kitchen windows or kitchen door at night, you know, to ask for spells and cures and fixes when no one else can see they're there. People are and silly. They are. And in the, the movie, you kind of see the darker side of that. In the book, you really understand just how dark of a spell that they worked for that woman with the bird. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You find Forgot out all about, about that. it in the book. Oh, okay. Is so, it gruesome or? It's the the results of it are pretty brutal. So it goes into a lot of that. There are consequences for these actions and there's consequences for all of this stuff. But you have the curse, like I mentioned before, the curse dooms any man that ever loves an Owens woman to death. And you have Sally who fights so hard to be normal, it's painful. And you have Jillian who's wild and reckless and fearless and then she brings something so dark and dangerous to Sally's doorstep where her girls are. Uh, it puts everyone on a collision course of what it means to be an Owens. So really, really good book. This is probably one of my favorite books. I love this book. Is it I the could just same sink into it. dark thing that happens in the movie? Mm -hmm. Or is it a different? Oh, okay. I wasn't sure if it would yep. be different or along the same oh, lines. Oh, yeah. No, okay. it's, it's the same. Okay. So one thing I did learn when I was polishing or pulling. Bleh, one thing I did learn when I was pulling the punching dates was this is actually in a four-part series i did not know that i knew there were um, more books but i didn't realize there were there are now what yeah, there have been three more that have been published since 2017 there are two prequels that came out 
Rules of Magic came out in 2017 and Magic Lessons came out in 2020. And the sequel, The Book of Magic, came out in 2021, which explains why I missed the last two. I did um, know about the first two. I didn't know about the mm -hmm. last one. Cool. So if you're looking for something to really sink into, I have not read the other three. I don't know how they would impact reading. I mean, obviously I've read the first one, so I'm going to have to read them in whatever order they came out afterwards. But it's the same author, right? It is the same author. The prequels go back into what I was reading. They go back into the family line Mm -hmm. and they go back into the curse. Okay. Um, they go back into one of them is actually about Maria Owens, oh, the witch who originated the uh-huh, whole family curse. Uh-huh. And then the sequel is you have three generations of witches and a brother, apparently, what? who come into play. So I they sound good. Yeah. I have more I've added to my reading list. You'll have so to let that us know. is why we do this. It is true. That is why we do this. Not that my list needs to get any longer, oh, but, but here we does. are. This should yeah. always be far longer yeah. than you can actually read. Yep. Oh, it is. And it'll be great. So that's my second book. Thank you. Yeah. Now it's time for our triviality segment. I have a couple of trivia questions for both and we'll see how you do with them. Winner gets bragging rights and the satisfaction of knowing random trivia. Are you guys ready? Oh, yeah. So ready. Okay, I feel like I should give you somewhat of a hint because... We talk about this a lot, that there are many different directions we could have gone in. So I'm just going to tell you the direction that I went in. Okay. Okay. Romantic literature. Oh, boy. And take that how you will. So not Valentine's Day, not February trivia. I went with romantic literature. Okay. Okay. You'll get two points if you can call out the answer without needing options. But if I list the multiple choice and you get it, the winner will still get one point. Uh, I don't have the tallies. I do. Uh, so last okay, time, read those out. Yep, Annie, you were at twelve. I'm at nine, and Sydney is at eighteen. Okay, I did I... not come up with the answers for this. Okay, like usually you just realize... I do, but oh, they were yeah. funny enough that I just that you have just left to. them. Okay, <laughs> I just left okay. them. Okay, yep. Normally, I enjoy coming up with the answers, but these ones I just left because they were so good. Fabulous. Okay, all right, let's let's do this. Here we go. I have three questions for you. A young woman's ghost haunts the wild Yorkshire moors while the man she passionately loved and who loved her exacts his revenge. What classic tale written under the pseudonym Ellis Bell is this? Is it Wuthering Heights? The yes, woman in black? Oh, it's Wuthering Heights. Oh, okay. Wuthering yeah. Heights. I've never read that, that one. Neither have I. Read I. In comic book form. <laughs> I'm not a Bronte fan. Well, Sydney got two points. That. <laughs> The options were Wuthering Heights, Jane Eyre, more or less, which I thought was <laughs> or Remains of the Day. Like, don't Remains of the Day. No. That's not the right answer. Okay, number two. This queen loved her husband, but fell passionately in love with his friend. This was the catalyst for the fall of the kingdom and the breaking of the round table. A 15th century classic based on Sir Thomas Mallory's work, What is it commonly known as king arthur and the round table it's the oh what i mean it's king arthur's story yeah it's with about guinevere. guinevere and lancelot i do not know the title though okay I mean, so i'm gonna give you 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 guys can get a point for that but we each get one. a point for that sure <laughs> but only one because no one knows the title of it y'all need okay. to brush up on your french here we go oh yeah tales from the crypt Le Morte de Arthur. That one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
The yeah. king and I, or a queen's ransom. If he tells me I, to brush up, if we need to brush up French. on our French, clearly, clearly <laughs> it's the French one. Clearly, it's the French one. Okay, here we go. I think we each Last get two question. points to that. We Last question. Points for that one. Fantastic. <laughs> here we go. It is the end of the First World War. The heroine's aristocratic husband returns home paralyzed from the waist down. She becomes attracted to the gamekeeper, Oliver, and they embark on a passionate and secret romance. <laughs> Which scandalous novel was this? I honestly chose this one just for the options. <laughs> They're pretty good. <laughs> uh, oh. I'm gonna, would you like me to read it again? I know I don't know it. Yeah, Mia's thinking real I, hard. When you said scandalous, my brain went somewhere, but I don't remember the name of the title, but the concept. So maybe read the titles and I will... I will tell you if my brain clicked it with it or not. Please let me get through all of them before you make a choice. Because <laughs> they're all really you, good. You mean you didn't like it when we were like, that one. <laughs> well, they're all just so good. Okay. okay. Whoopie in the Woods. <laughs> Confessions of a Gamekeeper. Hanky Panky at the Manor. Or Lady Chatterley's Lover. Lady Chatterley's that Lover. One. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought the other ones were really good. Not where my brain went either, but okay. <laughs> yes. Those are fantastic. It is Lady Chatterley's Lover. Now, I have only read Wuthering Heights in comic book form, but I feel I like these are pretty these. enticing snapshots of what the books are. I mean, I guess. I didn't right. know that about Lady Chatterley's Lover. I had no idea that it had anything yeah. like that. I just, I didn't know that. I thought it was okay. about some Jane Eyre thing and tutors and children <laughs> living in a house. There you go. Okay. As long as it's not flowers in the attic. Mm. So speaking that? of final speaking scores. of love in the air. <laughs> uh, currently, Annie, you and I are tied at twelve, and Sydney yes. is leaving us in the dust at twenty-two. Whoa! Good job, Sydney. <laughs> wow. How does that make so you feel? I feel like I have an unfair advantage because the last time I hosted it was with the interview with Charlie and Holmberg where we did not have a triviality segment. Sure. So we have had multiple times where I've gotten to play, but not host, but that will all come crashing to an end next time when I host. So then it'll okay. get more fair. It's okay. Trivia is a roller coaster. It's fine. It's all for fun. It's right? a marathon, not a sprint. It's if we're not fun. having fun, we're not doing it right. This is true. February. <laughs> <laughs> So, Sydney, what are you reading next? So, a while back ago, I picked up this book and I put it down and I never actually, like I said, I was going to start it and then I never did. And so I actually started it and I'm on like chapter eight now and it's it's getting pretty fun. But it's called The Cthulhu Casebooks, Sherlock Holmes and the Shadwell, St The Cthulhu Casebooks, Sherlock Holmes and the Shadwell Shadows. It's by James Lovegrove. That it sounds has... like a Nia book. It, it does, does sound like a neo about this one, and it yeah. sounds okay. lots of fun. So I need to pick it up at some point. Yes, you do. It starts out with a preface or an introduction. It, well, not a preface. It starts out with uh, with an introduction from the author, author talking about how he received this weird email from this guy, letting him know that H.P. Lovecraft's estate has gone to his you know beneficiaries, but that they had this manuscript series that they didn't know what else to do with it and because he's a long lost relative and he's an author they decided it should go to him and then you get the book when it starts with you know james watson wrote these books and 
he thought that they didn't belong to anyone else except H.P. Lovecraft, and he hopes that they never get published because they should just be locked away and they just needed to be written down so they got out of the guy's head. Obviously, that's just the setup to tie it into Sherlock Holmes' verse and combine it with H.P. Lovecraftian ideals. Well, a lot of the Lovecraft books have that whole like, oh, yes, with a letter or a bequeathment or something. So it it ties in both very nicely. Ties together. So it's not Mm -hmm. actually that he was super related or that he got these manuscripts that he didn't actually write. But he, you know, he says that he didn't and that they were just given to him and that he's done nothing but but publish what was never supposed to be published. But it's a it's a combining of the worlds of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle with the worlds of H.P. Lovecraft. And it's a trilogy. All three are out. That sounds fun. The author, not the author. The narrator is a fun British reader that does a great job of being super British. So <laughs> I got them and my mom devoured them before I could ever start them. And I was like, oh, oh, my gosh, I got one. Okay. And she's she came up to me. And she's like, um, are you getting the next one? And I was like, oh, uh, yes, yes, I am. Let me get those for Clearly. you. Because I refer okay. to myself as my mother's supplier. Someone has to be. Well, all three of us are becoming my mother's. So mostly Nia. Oh, really? <laughs> your choices (laughs) well that makes me feel good i think yeah Yeah. (laughs) i would that's awesome hooray awesome andy what about you what are you starting or picking up or reading i am fitting i am continuing and finishing the lost apothecary by sarah penner and it is not going how i thought it would nia (laughs) i don't know if i misheard you which is very possible but i thought and this is not a spoiler. I thought that she discovered the lost apothecary on a tour, on an underground tour of London. And that is not the oh, case. Oh, no. No, it is not. So I must have misheard you because that is not how she discovers no. the place. Also, I don't know why. Don't laugh at me, listeners or Sydney or Nia. But I really <laughs> like books that have a library in them. <laughs> I, I love that it goes, don't laugh at me, listeners. Or Sydney or Nia. Like, they seem to be attracted to these types of books. And <laughs> well, I'm right there. There with was you. a library in The Lost Apothecary, and I thought, this is the book for me. Right. A, re- a library with old things, not just, you know. know. And she's like, oh, oh, I should be in a library. This is my calling. And I go, oh, we should be friends. <laughs> and the book <laughs> that I am picking up and hopefully finishing because of book club is a Bridgerton book, The Duke and I. So, okay. I was not at the last book club meeting, so I did not choose this. (laughs) You didn't get nor have I seen any of the TV show. It's so it will be an interesting foray into Bridgerton. So right on because of the TV show, one of my dearest friends actually picked up, and she's read I think most of the books, the whole series. It's a huge series. Yeah, but um, she as she was reading the first two books that that coincided with the first two seasons of the show, because I've seen the show. And she watched the show before she picked up the books. Mm. She was so funny about, she'd text me and be like, okay, so you remember when this happened in the show? Yeah. Okay. This is what actually happened in the book. And she was giving me like play-by-plays of how things were different. (laughs) And I thought it was hilarious. But what was funny is that she kept saying with the first two books, at least, because we haven't talked about it since the other ones haven't hit the TV. Okay. She was, uh, so she isn't spoiling anything for me, Um, but she was talking about, how funny some of the the scenes were 
in the book that she was like, I don't know why they didn't put this in the TV show because this is so funny as a mm. scene and I don't understand why they would cut this out. So hopefully you have some really funny spots that really just like make you enjoy what you're reading because she said it was pretty I'm funny. Looking forward. I'm looking forward to it. I don't think I'm going to watch the TV show because I have enough good TV shows in my life, just like enough good books in my life. Fair. But I am looking forward to discussing Bridgerton. I think it will bring up some fun side conversations. Cool. Yeah. Nia, what did you pick up, finish, start in the month uh, of February? I will be picking up The Grunkle by Stephen Rowley. Yeah. The um, Gunkle? Like the, the grumpy gunkle. uncle? Yeah, The Gunkle. So it's the big gay uncle. Oh, yeah. so, yep, that, okay, um, I get yep, it. It's, it's gay uncle Patrick is is the the character. Um, he's the fun uncle for his six-year-old and nine-year-old niece and nephew. He likes visiting. He likes having them for long weekends. But, you know, he's he's the, the family member that's like, yep, we go do the fun things. I don't have to discipline you. And then I send you home. Except there's family crises and he ends up being the main caretaker for his niece and nephew so uh it's kind of a a growing experience i think for all of them is how it's looking i have not started it yet i need to get my reading in gear because this is one of the battle of the book books that i really do need to actually get finished so but it looks really fun and i'm looking forward to reading it so there's a movie my parents talked about growing up called uncle book okay Oh, with John Candy. With John Candy, yeah, and that's all I'm thinking of. Yeah, I don't think it's. I don't think it's the same. This is a. No, 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 it's not. This is a really new book. But that's just what I'm thinking of: uh, John Candy hanging out with his (laughs) Inez and doing what they want during the day, and then sending them home. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, mom and dad, something. I was thinking of Raising Helen. Step up the movie Raising Helen. Oh yeah, yeah. With the fun aunt, and then she becomes the caretaker. um, It. I guess this is an NPR book of the year and it's a finalist for the 2021 Goodreads Choice Awards. That's so cool. yeah, it looks fun. It looks really fun. Um, I guess my res- my resistance is I have to read it versus it's something I, you know, want. Yeah. I do want to read it, but it's... Uh, so, as know, soon as you put the have to in front school. of it, it's no longer fun. <laughs> I get that. Yeah. 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 So, but it, it looks delightful. So that's what I will be picking up next. Oh, okay. Well, thank you for sharing. I also yeah. want to read that now. So I will add that to my list. Did you say when it came out? Uh, I did not, but I can definitely find out. No, you said recent. It looks pretty recent. I mean, yeah. if it if it won a 2021 oh, yeah. Good Choice Award, Goodreads Choice Award, I, I would assume within the last came out. year. Yeah. Um, it's okay. You don't need to look it up. You, yeah, you it came out. I think it came out in 2021. Yeah. All right, friends. Thanks for listening to this chapter of the book stack. As we sign off, we'd like to leave you with some food for thought, and we'll see you next time when we take a look at our favorite books about horrible history. Remember, you can connect with us on Twitter at Bookstack Trio and follow us at Bookstack Trio on Instagram and Facebook to see a full listing of the books mentioned in our stacks. If you read a book from this stack, let us know what you thought on social media. You can also find us on our website at bookstacktrio.com. Love is a Great Beautifier, Little Women by Louisa May Alcott.